1: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Ponds, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: A healthy church is really made up of healthy believers. And that means that this is not a message that I'm shotgunning to everybody. I would like you to allow the Holy Spirit to use the word of God and perhaps some things that I'll be sharing with you. As if I was sitting on your back lanai with my arm around you and just loving on you and giving you this truth. For if we want to be a healthy church, the kind of church God will bless, it means that the pastor needs to be healthy. The wife of the pastor needs to be healthy. The leadership and their families need to be healthy. You need to be healthy. And if you're not healthy, and the person next to you isn't spiritually healthy, then that will mean that our church is not as healthy as it could be. So really, church health begins with our own personal spiritual health. So while you're hearing this as a general statement for the church, let's just say, you know what, this message is for me. I'm going to take care of myself. So maybe when I become spiritually healthy... God might use me to help someone else to become spiritually healthy. And by the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the season, we will have a healthy church. Remember, once we think we've arrived, we've really fallen back because we're always in a state of taking care of ourselves. All right, with that in mind, let me give you some observations that I have from this passage. And I'm going to read verses 3 through verse 8, and then we'll show you three of them, all right? Follow along with me very carefully as I read it to you. Paul then goes on to say, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allowed it to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. How is that? If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. And he who gives with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. And he who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Well, let's see if you can pick out the same three observations that I made from this wonderful passage of Scripture, maybe beginning to identify the anatomy of a healthy church. Number one is a realistic evaluation, that before we enter into all of this, we have to pause and look at ourselves before the Lord. So we consecrate ourselves to the Lord in verse 1 and 2, but now we're going to really look at ourselves and how we stand before the Lord. We might say, we're going to take our temperature, we're going to take our blood pressure, we're going to look at ourselves, so we want to have a realistic evaluation. Let's go back to verse 3 alone and see what it says here. It says, "For, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Now when I read that phrase, the grace given to me, I now speak to you. It reminds me a lot of the passage where it says the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So it really tells me that the Apostle Paul is basically spirit-filled because he says, the grace that God gives to me, I want to graciously tell you these truths, and now he opens up. This is a very important truth, and I'm going to do it as kindly as I can. And the first thing I want you to know is do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, or you could say to have sound thinking, as God has allowed to each the measure of faith. Now, what's interesting, if you have your Bible here, you might want to circle four words because you're going to see the word think mentioned four times. And if you're following in the Greek, while it comes in the original language, it kind of like is a beautiful bouquet of getting us to understand how thinking is so important to who we are. And so look at it again, it says. It says, grace given to me among you not to think, circle it, more highly of himself that he ought to think, but to think the third time as to have sound thinking. And we might read it this way. Do not superthink of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but rather think of yourself with sound or healthy thinking. So the idea is to think properly of yourself. And I would say the best way to really think of yourself is with a word that begins with the letter H. Do you know what that word would be? Humility. Humility. Now when we talk about humility, you know there are people that go in different directions about that, and it needs to be a proper balance. And so maybe The best way to say that is that we need to think correctly about ourselves as that we would see ourselves through the eyes of God. You know, there are some people that they do not want to face their own weaknesses. And since they do not want to face their own weaknesses, they overcompensate by being very prideful. They come out with a lot of what I call not a testimony about their life, their family, their business, their ministry. They give what is more known as a bragamony. You know what a bragamony is? Uh, That's a person who wants to talk more about him and usually he puts himself or his business or his team or his ministry in such a light that it makes him always look good or better in front of others. And you generally can tell when you hear him speak about things that draws a lot of attention to the drama, to the excitement, to one-upsmanship and what he has. Generally, he's overcompensating for perhaps an inaccurate view of himself. And so it's a prideful thing. And so we look at that and we say, that's not going to be me. But you know how else it can eke out? And it can happen with us and our church could be like that too. And that is the person that says, oh, I'm no good. I'm just a worm. I'm a nobody. And I'm, not, I'm worthless. And what we're really doing by doing that is that we are discounting the fact that I'm a child of God. I was created in the image of God. I am now a blood-bought, born-again believer. I'm in his forever family, and everything that he blessed the Father, the son with, he's blessed me with. And so we miss all of that by saying I'm nothing but a worm right here. And then what happens is we're looking for people then to come alongside us when we say that and say, oh, no, you're not. You really did a good job. It's a funny way to fish for a compliment. That, too, is not authentic humility, both of those are manifesting pride in a misjointed or misunderstood dynamic of humility. So what this is saying is don't think too highly of yourself. It didn't say don't think properly of yourself. You want to think correctly of yourself. If you'd like to have a verse, it goes like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you love your neighbor as yourself then you're going to love your neighbor correctly because you'll see yourself correctly. Humility is something that builds bridges. But I find that when people are prideful, it builds walls. Scripture says that only by pride comes contention. See, here's a very probing question. Don't have anybody specific in mind, but take your temperature. Are you in conflict with someone right now? A mate? A mother? A father? A son? A daughter? A fellow worker? A team member? Someone that's maybe your neighbor that you're in conflict with them? Could there be at the center of that conflict, I'm sure, an element of their pride that causes contention? But how about yourself? Are you owning that for yourself? Because pride will cause contention and conflict. And so if you have that in your life, maybe it's time for you to give that over to the Lord, grant that person forgiveness, and accept from him all the joy and the forgiveness that you should have, and think properly of yourself. So if we're going to be a healthy church, we want to have a realistic evaluation of who we are. We are a blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ, and we celebrate what God has done for us. Now let me continue that thought with this. Some of you might think in a church that I just can't serve in this church. Some of you might feel like I'm just too old, or I'm too frail, and I could never be a leader in this church any longer. So what I really want to do is to step completely away from that, and I just want to come to worship. Well, first of all, let me commend you. You know, I look at our church and I'm amazed at how many people come in on the handy van or special cars that are brought in. Those that come with walking sticks and walkers and sometimes even in wheelchairs. Some that come that hardly can even stay awake for the whole message because it is long and it's harder for them to do that. And yet they would not miss it. And I'm not so smart to think that these people are coming to hear some great orator. I much rather believe that they're coming because you love them And they receive your love. And we're blessed by that. But I'm also blessed by those people that come in frail like that. Because here's what leadership is. Leadership isn't, I speak, you listen. I direct, you follow. That's not leadership. You know what leadership is? Very simply put. Leadership is just influence. If you choose to touch another person's life. To influence them. To help them to get to another level in their walk with God. However that might be. Through prayer. A handshake. A hug. You blow them a kiss, however it might be that you can touch their life. I don't care how frail or how sometimes you might feel inadequate, you do impact. Now, can I speak frankly with you and personally too? You don't know how much it means to the pastor and those of us that are on staff when we face a crowd like you on Sunday morning and we know that you're out there and you might say, I don't do anything. By me seeing your face and knowing the sacrifice it took for you to be here, some driving many miles through traffic from the other side of this island, you would never know how much you encourage me. Now, so some of you might say, I I can't play the piano. That's okay. I can't either. Some of you might say, well, I can't work in the nursery. That's all right. But everybody can do something. Listen to my phrase now. Everybody is somebody in his body. Did you catch that? You are important. Here's another phrase. You can't do some things, but you can do some things. Did you catch that? You can't do some things, but you can do some things. Would you say that out loud with me, but change it? Say, I can't do some things, but I can do some things. Would you say that out loud? I can't do some things, but I can do some things. One more time. I can't do some things, but I can do some things. And so, a little bit later in this message, and then when I speak to you again in two weeks, because we have a guest speaker next week, I want to show you how that no matter who you are, young or old, whether you have much talent or little talent, you are very important to the Lord because God has made you. So yes, you can do some things even though you can't do everything. So now that you have a realistic view of yourself that God bought you with with Christ's blood on the cross. You've trusted him as your savior and now you have a new life in Christ and God has done some wonderful things with you and he's given you some opportunities. What else do we do then? Well, then we begin to cooperate with one another. The passage then says, a healthy church has authentic cooperation. Look at verse four and five. Will you do that for just a moment? Go back to verse four and verse five now. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And that means that every member of our body has a particular function and they all serve a larger portion. Each one part of my body is helping me do what I need to do as a complete body. And that means every one of you in the body of Christ is connected vitally to someone else that's helping us to accomplish a greater purpose for the Lord. And those are very important truths that we have for our life. Now, This morning when I got ready to come, I generally go into the bathroom, I look at my face, and I think, oh, how can these people look at me for 40 minutes, you know? So I try to comb my hair and brush my teeth, shave, pick out my clothes, show them to Carol. She then picks them out again, and then I look at what I should look like. So I look at myself in the mirror, and that reflects on a little bit of who I am. Well, you know, looking at ourselves, there are three truths when I see myself in the mirror. And I'd like you to know that those same three truths that I see it myself looking in the mirror are the same three truths that you see when you look in the mirror. But I want to crank it up a little bit. It's not about what I look like or you look like. What it does matter is this. When the Lord chooses to use the concept of a human body, and he talks about the body of Christ, the body of Christ is representing the church of Christ globally, as well as at times locally. In this case, the local global church in Rome. This now here in Honolulu, in Nuuanu, stay with me for a moment. That body and our body have three things that are in common. Probably a lot more, but again, small bite of the apple. Would you like to write these down? Because this is what makes our church very special. Number one is this. Your body has many parts, visible and invisible. We have many parts, visible and invisible. Now frankly, I think we want to look more at the visible parts than the invisible parts. For a while, we stopped doing this, but a number of years ago, we watched some of the television shows called CSI. Have you ever seen any of those? How many have ever watched any of the versions of CSI? Raise your hand. Okay. I want to know who watches TV. All right, go ahead. But we would have very limited amount of time. We don't really see it when it's on because we're so busy, so I record some of these shows and um, invariably, the only time we have it is when we have like 20 minutes, we're having dinner, let's see this, because we've got to get going to the next activity. And I don't know why, whenever it comes on, right when we're having spaghetti, they are now pulling the guts out of somebody on a CSI show. Have you ever seen anything like that? It's the most grossest. And so Carol said, why are you doing this? And I said, I don't know, I just, it just happened. Well, I'm telling you that for this reason, that we have visible parts and invisible parts, but mostly our invisible parts Is really what gives us our life. Is it not true? It's our internal organs. It would be our brain. Things we don't want to really look at. That gives us motion and direction. And gives us the value to touch another person's life. So we have visible and we have invisible. Now how does that work in the church? You have those that are very visible. You know we've been to these churches I mentioned to you. And how blessed we were to be a part of it. But I have to tell you. What a joy it was to watch, listen and worship with our praise team here. To see them up here loving the Lord and singing songs that they've worked hard on together and helping us focus on the Lord as they did that, I love that. They're visible. Some of you that teach our classes and those that fill the pulpit while I was gone, they're very visible. I'm pretty visible around here because I have your attention for 40, 45 minutes. So you're looking at me. That's a visibility. I get that. You get that, okay? But then there are those that are more invisible in our church. How many of you have been to our nursery? I mean, really been to our nursery. I bet some of you that don't have children hardly even know where it's at, if you even know where it's at. And do you know who works in our nursery? Now, they don't wear big signs that says I'm a nursery worker. Come, look at the vomit on my shoulder. No, it doesn't say that. They're in there. They're serving. When you go to the restrooms here and you pull down a piece of paper out of the little uh, receptacle there, when you do that, someone had to put that in there. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. But there are people that are invisible. Now, I'm not talking about many hoonies here on the island. I'm talking about the person that could be within an 18-inch stretch from you right now. They're the invisible people, but they become very visible, watch this, when they're not serving invisibly. If we didn't have a nursery worker up there, what would happen? If we didn't have the people to take care of the receptacles and the restrooms, what would happen there? And the list could go on. So invisible people are just as valuable as the visible people because we are all working together. Which brings us to the second thing that we see when we look in the mirror. And that is that every part is important. Every part is important. I'd write that down. Now I understand um, that uh, for me now as I'm getting older, my eyesight seems to be very, very important to me. I don't know, I'm, I'm asked almost every day, how are your eyes? And the answer is still the same. I see double. I, I, they've, we've had surgeries and surgeries. I still see two of you. All right? Um, And that's a blessing. So, my church is always twice as big to me than it is to you, but I see two of you. I get that. You get that. But on the other hand, since the surgeries, I have pretty much 20 20 vision. When I look uh, outwardly, I see you, and you all look very, very handsome. But to be up close, I have to put glasses on, and that kind of frustrates me. So, again, every part of our body is important. My eyes are important, especially for Carol. When I drive, all right? So my eyes are important. Your eyes are important. Your life is important. So every one of you is important. I like to do this in some of the classes that I teach and have you look to the person next to you and say, you know what? We need you here. You're important. We need you here. Would you do that right now to the person next to you and say, you know, we need you here. Now look to the person on the other side and say, you need me here. (laughs) Say that to them. You It's always louder when we do, you need me here, you know, that's true. We need each other here. I'll tell you, there are a lot of people that work behind the scenes that do a great job, and not just on a Sunday, but all the week long and for all of our special events. So everybody is important here. And then number three, every part depends on every other part. Every part of our body depends on every other part of our body. So there's unity in our diversity that's here. And I like to really think about that. if you don't mind, let me share that with you a little bit more. Notice the phrase I put in your notes there. A healthy church is one made up of all kinds of people from many different backgrounds who join together based on a common faith in Jesus Christ. I like that phrase, many backgrounds. I got thinking about the name of our church. We could have called it Grace because you know I'm very strong on grace. You also know our main thought is that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. We all got that. So I love that. But I really like the term international. You know why I like the word international because it tells me that we have all different ethnic groups that come together. The common bond is our faith alone in Jesus Christ for our salvation. And when we have all of that, it doesn't matter whether you're Chinese, Korean, I shouldn't have started now, should I? Japanese, Hawaiian, Holy boy, It doesn't really matter what our background and what does matter is, watch this, we were each, catch this, divinely designed by God on his drawing board before we were ever placed in our mother's womb that gave us our DNA, that gave us all of our backgrounds as far as our ethnicity. Now we move from that into the different cultural upbringings that you've had. Whether you're a local person that you grew up with a family that worked on the plantation, or whether you worked on the docks here unloading ships, or whether you worked downtown or in the educational system or whatever it might have been, whatever that is, that brought you into this that's why our church has our arms wide open with the aloha spirit that everyone is welcome in here because you have value and your value is the fact that god made you you and god's bringing you to us and because of the value you have you're now going to influence us and our value is going to increase and your value could increase because of the way god made us and we're going to touch your life as well so all of you are important That's why we don't celebrate one particular ethnic group Sunday here. We are just God's children with all of that background. One writer did it in a very special way that I really liked. Listen to this. He says, those of you that know Christ, you have a spiritual gift. And that's your, we'll call it supernatural motivation. Each one of you have a passion or a heart for certain things. There's things that really get you excited. Some of it is child evangelism fellowship. Others it's wana, Some of you, you really like the emu pit. I haven't figured that out yet, but you really like the emu pit out there. So you, whatever that is, you have that passion. And all of that makes this church, this kaleidoscope of surround sound stereo that makes us usable and more effective for the Lord. But in addition to that, There's those of you that have abilities. Some of you have ability in medicine, some in education, some in accounting or financing, some in the legal realm. Some of you are working in all different facets. You have abilities that God has given to you opportunities to gain those abilities. And then you've got personalities. Some of you are outgoing, some of you are quiet, some of you are tasks, some of you are involved with people. You have different personalities. And all of that fits together that makes us strong in one big family. That's the anatomy of a healthy church. If we then use those experiences, personalities, abilities, passions, and heart and gifts to then serve one another together. And I believe we have a church like that. And I believe as we continue to own that for ourselves, to accept the way God made us, to see ourselves correctly, then to learn to associate with others in authentic cooperation to help them to grow as well, then we will be a healthy church. We will be a brighter lighthouse with the storms of life that are impacting the people we work with and the people in our neighborhoods with whom we live with. Well, now we move to the third one because the bigger question now is, okay, I get that, to look right at myself through the eyes of God. I do realize I've got to touch other people, but how do I do that? How do I cooperate with them? So we're going to talk about specific participation. Specific participation. And he does this by speaking to what is often referred to as spiritual gifts. This portion gives seven gifts. I'm not going to read those verses to you since we've already done that. I'll comment them on them in just a moment. But I want to spend this week and the next time we get together, and I want to talk a little bit more about spiritual gifts because that is probably one of the heartbeats of a healthy church is to know what our gift is, discover it, then we need to, d- to develop it. I know it's a gift. We got it all, but then we have to learn how to use it. So we have to develop it. But it's more than just, I know what I got, and I'm having fun developing it. Now we need to demonstrate that gift by touching other lives. And I want to speak more to that, and I've got a wonderful message I'm so excited about sharing with you. And that'll be in two weeks, and then I'm going to do a three-hour seminar on Sunday afternoon called discover your divine design and i'm going to bring both personality and spiritual gifting together and help you to discover that but let me get back into this when you see the word gifts there actually the word gifts comes from a similar word of the word grace and some even say the word joy so grace and gifts and joy sounds like christmas doesn't it grace is getting a gift you don't deserve then you have the gift and then when you open it up you get so joyful about the gift that you got Well, God says, when you trust Christ to save you, you not only got the Holy Spirit, you also received a spiritual gift. And that's a very important gift. Now, there are certain gifts in Scripture. You have a gift list that's found here in Romans chapter 12. Listen carefully. It is often referred to as the motivational gifts. This gift list is probably your foundational gift list, but it is not singularly the only gift list, nor are these the only gifts that are out there. These are seven gifts that Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to share with the Romans that's recorded to us today for us today so that we could learn them. But I want you to know the other gift lists are found in Romans excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and then again in 1 Peter chapter 3. So you're going to find multiple gifts, but if I could reduce all the gifts into three categories, they would be these three categories. Number one, you're going to have what we call The spoken gifts. These are the gifts like teaching and preaching, maybe leadership.
1: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.